Welcome to Coach to Scale, how modern leaders build coaching cultures. I'm your host, Matt Benelli. Join me as we build a community of like-minded professionals who share the belief that effective coaching improves the performance of every team member. Our mission is to help leaders become better coaches. The Coach to Scale podcast is sponsored by Coachem, the world's first AI coaching execution platform that leverages evidence-based coaching to increase quota attainment. And with that, let's get started. Happy New Year. Matt Benelli here, host of the Coach to Scale podcast. And on behalf of Coachem and the Coach to Scale podcast, I want to thank you for supporting the community we've started to build in 2023. It's a privilege to host this podcast, and my sincere hope is that we're putting out content that's useful, actionable, and enjoyable. We love reading and hearing your comments, so please, please, please continue to engage. As we enter 2024, I'm proud to report that Coach to Scale has entered rarefied air in the podcast world. Statistics show that 90% of podcasts don't make it beyond three episodes, and only 1% of podcasts make it past 20 episodes. We just recorded our 23rd episode. We're not in the Joe Rogan category yet, but we love what we do and we're just getting started. Thank you. Today's episode is a compilation of what we learned throughout our first 20 episodes in 2023. You'll hear from each of the guests I've hosted on the show last year and in their own words, we'll summarize and highlight the following. Why coaching and leading go-to-market teams to overachieving revenue targets is such a challenge. How important is the frontline manager role? What are the myths or head trash that may be holding leaders back? What are the challenges of implementing a coaching culture and why is the juice even worth the squeeze? What are the different ways to coach your people to avoid coaching the same way, right? Peanut butter coaching. And lastly, how to get started in building a coaching culture within your team and your company. So let's get started. To kick things off, let's hear from Pat Galvin, VP at ServiceNow, on one of the most common challenges that ails sales leadership that can put you on the wrong foot from the get-go. A big myth is probably that your top seller can be your next manager, right? And I don't think that could be further from the truth, right? In fact, it's usually the very opposite between what makes a really great seller and a really great manager are often you know, two different skill sets completely. So that's what I would say. So, so the, the old adage that just because you were the superstar on the court or on the field doesn't mean you're going to be the best leader on the sidelines, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, you know, a, a top seller is really, you know, there's many ways to be a top seller. They're, uh, they're motivated, obviously, by high achievement for themselves. They're just thinking about them, themselves. How can they get their deals? How can they hit their individual quota? Um, usually they're on that lone wolf status, and that's very different from what you need a coach to be, right? A coach has a bunch of different attributes, and just because, you know, a coach can be a great seller, but not every great seller can be a coach. So your top performers may not be your best managers. It takes a lot of work to hire, develop, and retain sales management talent, so it's important to know that up front. Let's now hear from sales leader extraordinaire and stage two capital operating partner, John Boucher, on how important the frontline manager actually is in the sales organization and why. The most important people, in my opinion, was really the field leaders, the, the actual first line managers. They were the most important people in my organization. Like 
by a factor, not the senior VPs, you know, not the individual contributor necessarily. It was actually the frontline manager, the most important by far, by far, um, because they made it go, because they had the operating system that you just talked about. They were the ones that hiring the right people, right? They had to go find the people. They are number one. They're hiring the right people, right? And they're cultivating that team and they're training that team and they're coaching that team, number one. Number two, they were creating the the culture at that team level, right? That little squad, that tribe, that, I don't, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that group, that battalion, like, like that group, that's led by that first line person, full stop. They set the tone. Like, are they setting a tone that you're on time? Are they setting a tone that you're prepared at every moment? Like, are they setting the tone that we do training every week? Do, do they set that tone? And if they do, and they hold people accountable, they have process, like that frontline person is people, process, and then culture. Those three things that frontline person is actually making that all happen. Now, of course, the people, the senior people help them to sort of start start that and set that tone as well. But, you know, if you were, you know, put me in a dark room and put a gun to my head and said, you know, if you could choose the role that's most important that you want to make sure you get right, I would pick that, that role all day. So there you've heard it from one of the best in the business. The frontline manager is the most important role in the org by a factor. It's about people process and culture. And the frontline manager is the one that makes it all happen. All right. So what follows next is a series of clips of guests answering the question about a common and persistent myth in the business that if believed can really impede the success of a team or the entire company. Sean Harmon, CEO of rapid Four cloud kicks it off and talks about the dangers of thinking that sales is easy. One of the things I've learned as I've evolved um, from being sort of a pure play individual contributor, seller to a sales leader to, you know, an overall business leader is, you know, a lot of people have a perception that sales is easy and that um, that people that have the gift of the gift of gab or, or you know, the, the, the loudest person or the people like, as they say, that can command a room are going to be the best sellers. And, and I, I think that's, that's a, a bad path to go down or a, sh- or a short-term uh, strategy for any company. And I think the companies that have been in that have done well from a growth perspective have gained an appreciation for the, uh, the science of selling and the profession of selling rather than um, sort of the show of selling. All right. Sean's right. A lot of people to think that sales is about the gift to gab, when in reality, that can actually get you in trouble. Trust me, I know. Sales is a profession. It's as much of a science as it is an art. And by the way, as you all know, it ain't easy. Next up is Josh Allen, a veteran CRO and founder of the Top Quartile Club. Check it out. Josh talks about what worked for me may not always work for thee and why. One of the hard lessons learned when you step in the seat for the first time is that the things that might have made you successful aren't necessarily going to make that individual person you're trying to coach successful. So the biggest myth I remember having to bust my first time as a manager at Log Me In was, was this concept that I could take what worked for me and what made mm-hmm. me the top performer in that business. I was two years in a row as the number one salesperson that Log Me In, that I could take those things 
that made me have success and then just directly layer it over the, the team that I was responsible for and they'd see the same type of results. It just doesn't work that way. Like individual humans are, are wired and built and operate differently. So the myth that you can take what works well for you when you were in the seat and mm -hmm. layer it over to those individuals is, is one that has been busted many times over. All right, so that's a great reminder from Josh. Strategy is non-negotiable, but style certainly is. You might ask, is coaching a quick fix? Well, listen, let's hear from Sarah Kiley, Senior VP at School Status. I think in the world of coaching and coaching salespeople that there's there's commonly this myth that I kind of one and done. So I've taught you the skill. I've taught you how to prospect. I've taught you how to make sure you get a next step from every meeting. Now, please go and execute. And what we all know, if we're focused on coaching, is that it's not only about teaching. It's about practicing. It's about role playing. It's about sharing feedback. And it's about kind of repeating through that process, um, even with those that maybe have a command of the skill. Yeah, great reminder that providing timely and specific feedback and deliberate practice such as role play will benefit even the most tenured salesperson. Up next, let's hear from Bill Bagshaw and his take on the dangers of obsessively focus on the outcomes instead of the behaviors that actually get you there. I think a lot of managers over-rotate towards focusing on the outcomes, the measurements and the outcomes, i.e. forecast goals, how much have you booked, what's your pipeline, how much pipeline have you generated, all of which is important stuff. But I think uh, newer managers can sometimes fall into a trap where they think pressuring on that, pressuring on the results, creating some anxiety around that, proving that they're brave enough to crack the whip, if you will. Mm -hmm. That's what coaching salespeople is all about. I'm a coach because I'll call my reps out if they're not generating enough pipe. I'll, I'm a coach because I'll call my reps out on too much of their, they're not hitting their linearity targets. Too much of their pipeline is slipping from month to month, quarter to quarter. quarter. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to be mindful of performance. We all need to have our KPIs and such. But focusing on the end result is not true coaching in my mind. Yeah. That's focusing measuring. On the end. But do you know what I mean? Have you seen managers that think, hey, I'm now a manager. I now got to crack the whip on those results. How yeah, many calls yeah. have you made this week? How much pipe have you added? What have you closed? Boy, there's a lot that happens upstream from that, if you will, that I think falls into the bucket of true coaching. Well, amen to that, Bill. Focusing too much on the scoreboard, i.e. the end result, and telling people they need to close more deals, bigger deals, and faster deals, it's not true coaching. We know that. Now, check out Valor Performance CEO, who's coming up next, Sarah Milby. Check out her take on why you can't ignore or take your top performers for granted. One that I think is a little unspoken, but, but people's time allocation demonstrates that people believe most coaching needs to go to the, the problem, the problem reps, the ones that are struggling. And so every, you know, sales managers and leaders in general tend to go, we got to fix this problem, right? Especially those of us who have a strength of problem solving, we go to that area. But it's a little bit uh, of a, I'll say, misguided allocation of time and energy because it's forgetting about 
those high performers who, what we know of high performers, they're hungry for learning. And a phrase that I sometimes use is you got to feed the eagles. Like you got to pay attention to them to retain them, but also keep them motivated. And so the, that coaching benefits those high performers tends to be a little bit of a, a myth sometimes that people just don't find obvious. Great advice from Sarah there. Feed your eagles. Now, I love this next one, and I, I hear it all the time. Uh, let's listen to VMware Carbon Black's Head of America's Victoria Abeling, and let's hear her take on whether coaching should be deemed as a big brother punitive tactic or something else. I think a common myth that a lot of sales leaders, uh, as well as their teams, uh, struggle with is that they view coaching as uh, punitive or a big brother. And I view this as my job is to make you better at your craft. And in order to do that, I have to spend time in in order to help you get better at what you're doing. And by that, I, I coach you. We we do deal reviews. We look at the forecast. We um, listen to recordings. Uh, we do pitch contests. And so it may feel like as a individual with your manager inspecting this that you are not doing your job. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Right on, Victoria. Helping your employees get better is an investment and it takes time. It should be welcomed and valued. Thanks for sharing. Now, up next is John Feldman, VP of Sales at Anecdotes and co-host of the Rally Call Sales Podcast. Please check that out. John provides timely advice about not ever, ever, ever resting on your laurels or past success. I think one of the biggest myths in the sales profession is that sales professionals do not need continuous learning. They do. The myth persists, in my opinion, because AEs get a level of success and that that they're happy with, and then they rest on their laurels and they don't want to change their game for fear that it might change their results for the negative. And it's a mindset thing. But coachability in this game is a key DNA of any successful rep. It's, it's a game changer. And this game changes very quickly. So your, your skills need to be sharpened and you also need to add new ones as you go. And if you have that mindset that you don't know everything, that there's a lot of other tactics and strategies that you can learn to become better. I think that, uh, you will have a, a longer lasting, more successful career. Thanks, John. Great reminder that if you're not growing, you're dying in this crazy business. Here's an age-old question. Are salespeople born or are they developed? Here's SVP of sales at 3Play Media, Dave Phillips, take on that question. Salespeople are born, not made. Um, Personally, myself, I got into sales later in my career. I started working in higher education and, you know, chose to make a career change. And so I didn't start it out of the gates and had to learn my way there. Um, But I think we often think of it as that stereotypical big personality, charismatic person. Um, And, and I think there's all different types of salespeople there. And I, and I think the, the sales world is getting much more analytical and more, more thoughtful than it previously was. Um, I think the economy requires that. I think the SaaS model requires that. And so for me, I believe sales can be taught. Um, it can be taught to almost anyone. Um, it's whether or not 
they like this uh, as a uh, as a career. And so I think that's one of the biggest myths for me. Dave's a good friend. He makes a great point. Sales can be taught, but you gotta want it. Next up, let's listen to Ben Johnson, sales VP over at Zendesk. Ben reminds us that performance doesn't go up and to the right indefinitely. One of the reasons why I was, you know, if I had any uh, hesitancy in, in taking the leap, it was, hey, you missed two quarters, you're out, right? You missed two quarters of making the number, um, you're no longer going to have, a, you're going to be looking for a new job. And um, I'd love to say that every quarter I've been successful and made the number, but like I said, I've been doing this for 25 years and it doesn't always happen that way. Um, but I think that there's a lot, that's a hundred, that's a hundred quarters, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, fortunately we kind of look at the big picture. I've had more success than not. Uh, otherwise I think I probably would be doing something different, but, um, I, I, I there's a lot more that goes into a, a, a solid salesperson, uh, and or sales leader than just the number. It's an important aspect. That's how we're measured. Uh, but there's a lot that goes into, making a, a, a successful salesperson for the long term. Uh, and that's something that I've learned. And it's some, one of the kind of the core tenets that, you know, uh, a lot of the coaching that we do is really to try to get people to that next level so that they will have long term success. Right. Uh, not necessarily focus on this one quarter, but a career. Right. And, and uh, we had somebody on the show, someone, you know, uh, Pat Galvin, and I think his quote was coach to the career, not the quota. Don't give up on your people after a couple of bad quarters. Lean in and coach them. That's what I took from Ben's comments. And speaking of leaning in and coaching, the next clip is a gem from my friend and CRO of Carta, Jeff Perry. Jeff cautions us against labeling people or trying to put them in a box too quickly. From a leadership perspective, two things really come to mind. Um, the first being, uh, and I, you know, I've experienced this uh, through my career path, but um, sort of the notion that if you're a big company person, that you can't be a successful leader in a smaller company uh, or a startup company. Uh, and I just, I have found that to not be true. And I think it more uh, depends on the individual and the ingredients that they have and the experiences they have and the drive and motivation that they have to be successful in a different type of role. Um, so there's there's that um, as far as um, big company versus small company. Yeah. And then I also, um, you know, a, another thing I may or may not have been accused of along the way is that a nice guy or a nice woman can't be a great leader. And I've also found that to be false along the way. I think that um, you can be a good person. You can be a nice person. You can also be tough and challenging and uh, direct in moments that you need to be uh, while also kind of commanding the respect of the team and the people that you work with. And I find that people actually appreciate both sides of that. Kudos to you, Jeff. Empathetic leaders don't finish last and the right leadership behaviors work in companies of all shapes and sizes. Now, check out this clip from a longtime sales leader, mentor, and friend, Blair Tolbert, who cautions us to watch out for fake news. Ooh, man, there's been so much fake news, <laughs> to use it a current term. Um, you know, one I, I, I think um, I think that stuck with me and I've heard again and again and again is that you really got to beat the bejeebers out of, uh, out of a sales guy because of the laziest things in the, on the planet because they'd rather sleep than work. And hey, none of that, I remember when I first heard that or that, and I'll call it an accusation because it was, it was an unfounded accusation about a particular individual turned out that the manager 
just wasn't engaged, right? And wasn't aware of, of all the good stuff that was happening uh, from that, 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 that rep's efforts. My takeaway from Blair is to believe in your people and work hard to catch them doing things right. People are going to respond better that way. Now, these next three short clips talk about the connection of money and sales. Salespeople have been labeled coin-operated for a long time, but I have a question for the CRO of LastPass, Amy Appleyard. Amy, are salespeople all coin-operated bots? Oh, I love this one. It's a good question. I've heard you ask this before because I've been watching your podcast. Um, I think for me, um, I, I really don't like it when people approach coaching as if uh, salespeople are 100% coin-operated. I think that um, has you doing things with coaching that isn't really looking at the rep or thinking about the rep or even the manager holistically. I think people bring a lot more to the table if you coach them as if they are just there for the paycheck um, and are purely coin-operated. That's what you'll get. Um, but if you want someone who's really going to put every effort into helping everybody on their team and people within the rest of the organization understand their jobs and what they can contribute and help our customers, I think you really have to coach to the whole person. And that includes everything. Of course, some of it is going to be around, you know, the end of the sales cycle, closing a deal. But a lot of it is just around discovery, asking questions, thinking about someone's career path. Like there could be some very specific things they're trying to work on. And if you coach to those, I find that the success does follow. Well, there you have it. You get more performance, respect, and loyalty from your people if you take the time to coach the whole person. Let's ask Tom Schodorf, a longtime sales executive, board advisor, and co-author of The Success Cadence, about what he thinks of salespeople making too much money. Tom, are salespeople really making too much money? Well, well how much is too much? I, I don't know. Uh, tr try to try to be a salesperson if you're not a salesperson. It's like being a professional athlete. There's if you're not good enough, somebody's going to knock you off your perch. You have to be on your game all the time. So generally, I believe they make if you know with a properly constructed sales plan and 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 product, uh, they make exactly what they deserve. Uh, because and so since so much of their pay is performance based. <laughs> Refreshing commentary there. Sage advice for line of business leaders outside of sales, and it's great to have a person like Tom in your corner and on your board. Okay, so we've heard that salespeople aren't coin-operated bots who make too much money. Now, Dr. Rachel Pacheco, professor at Georgetown University's McDonough School of Business and author of a phenomenal book, Bringing Up the Boss tackles a question that's being asked more and more these days. How important is it for people to find meaning in their work? Rachel? The myth that employees don't need to find meaning in what they do in the day-to-day, -day, and even more so, that managers and leaders have no part in helping them find meaning. So we have this myth that meaning, especially for, for folks in the sales realm, is not a, you know, is not a critical component of the job and that leaders and, and managers have no part in helping their, their teams find meaning. It's actually the exact opposite. Meaning is, is front and center from what we see in, you know, in research and surveys and what employees want and crave in their day-to-day. -day. And managers and leaders have a critical responsibility and role 
and helping their team members find that meaning and purpose day to day. Well, I hope a keep takeaway here is that managers not only should understand what motivates their salespeople and help them find meaning in their work, but they also have an obligation to do so. I know it sounds like this coaching thing is a lot of work, but is the alternative better? Here's Braze's VP of Sales and APAC, Shahid Nizami, talking about why the juice actually is worth the squeeze when it comes to investing and developing a coaching culture. I think coaching is a win-win tool for any company. Like It helps, obviously, the business and definitely helps the employees in various ways. When a company has coaching as a part of its DNA, it would naturally lead to improved performance for the employees, which in turn means that the productivity and efficiency gains for the business. So I see a strong correlation that if your employees are doing well, then obviously your business is doing well, there's more efficiency in the business. So when coaching is embedded into the culture, more people achieve target. Everybody wins. A question that often comes up with leaders implementing a coaching culture is how to approach coaching the different styles of salespeople on the team. You have different people, personalities, skill sets. Well, Team Snap's COO, Brian Caulfield, has a strong track record of doing just that. And he touches on it here. Employees fall into three buckets. There's an A player, B player, and a C player. The A players are the rock stars. In sales, we call them the Eagles. Coaching for them, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's as simple as removing roadblocks, removing frustrations, looking the other way because they're doing it not quite as you would want them to. But the end result is they're just good at what they do and they deliver great results all the time. Hardest thing is finding them. On the other end is the C players. They're all talk, no action. Lots of excuses, finger pointing. Move those employees out as soon as possible. It's the B player that I think coaching is so critical for. The B player is the bulk of my employee base. And the goal is how do you turn them into an A player or the closest thing to an A player they can be through effective coaching. Those are the people who are like, you know what? Let's invest in this person because they've got the personality traits and behavioral traits that they can be a successful productive member of your team, you just got to invest in them. You got to coach them. You got to develop them. Ryan's three bucket approach is a great place to start as it provides an action to take for each one. All right. So you believe in this whole coaching thing. You want your team or your sales organization to be identified with a coaching culture. Where do you start? Let's hear from Rocket Res's chief revenue officer, Sean Harvey on just that. I've always thought about it as a top-down approach, right? I think that people go as their leaders go, right? People take on the, the, um, the characteristics or the, the style of their leaders. And for me, it's always worked best if it was something that we built in as part of our culture. It's who we are as a company. It's who we are as an executive team. It's what we believe in. Uh, and then bring that down, cascade that messaging down, cascade that approach down, uh, you know, through middle management down to the, the, the frontline managers and the individual contributors. Well, Sean nails it there. Building a coaching culture will take time, but it's best when it starts from the top down. Now, that can be from the top of your team of six, 60, or 600. What do you believe in that needs to cascade throughout your team starting here in 2024? Well, there you have it. That's our compilation of what we learned in 2023 in the words of our guests on the Coach to Scale podcast. We hope you took away some actionable nuggets that will help all of you sales leaders out there be the best coaches you can be 
while avoiding many of the obstacles that litter the path to success. We look forward to reading your comments online, so please leave a comment and, and engage. We'd love to hear from you. And on behalf of Coachum and the Coach to Scale podcast, let me wish you a happy, healthy, and prosperous new year. And remember, coach them if you want to keep them. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Coach to Scale, How Modern Leaders Build Coaching Cultures. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at coachem.io. That's C-O-A-C-H-E-M dot I-O. And follow us on Twitter at Coachem Now. See you all next week. Thanks for joining. And remember, coach them if you want to keep them.